Yeah, he knows what you have need. If I remember this story, um, this missionary shared with me one time, he shared with me, um, I met him about 2002. We were just talking about prayer and he was on the mission field. His family and him were called to Africa and they're trying to build, you know, parts of their house that they're living in. They're trying to build, a, they want to build an orphanage and a little school and all that stuff takes money. All that stuff takes, you know, it takes money materials it takes all that stuff in and so every day he would get up he's sharing his story with me he said he'd get up and he would just pray god i need this i need this i need that i need this <clears throat> and so he would do that all the time he would just god i need this this and this one morning the lord says to him he says i want you to just come and be with me without submitting your list and and he's like he said in that moment he's like staring at the lord like what and he says do you, I mean, do you really believe that I have heard you? That I know what you have need of? And then right away, like we do humanly, we start quoting scriptures at God, like God don't know what his word says. Is anybody home? Do you hear me? Have you ever done that? Have you ever quoted a scripture at God like God doesn't know his own word? I, the man said, well, you know, the Bible says, your word says, Lord, you know, we have not because we ask not or seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open. And the Lord says, stop. Do you not think that I know my word? Do you think that I would invite you in on something that was against my word? You understand an aspect of my word. You understand that paradigm of my word. But what I'm inviting you into is that is that this realm of faith, I'm, I'm causing your faith to level up. Because when you level up, then you don't operate the way you used to operate. At the level you are, you have developed habits, you've developed things that call, and that's the way you operate in your level of faith where you are. And then God says, I want to take your faith higher. I want to take it higher so that I want to refine the way you operate, the way you engage with me, the way you operate and do things with other people. So it says you all you've operated at the place of I, I, um, I need to tell God, I need to inform God, I need to let him know even your prayer time with the Lord is always this list. When prayer or when prayer originally was not made for you to just give your list, prayer was a time for you to fellowship with the most high to fellowship with your father, to come and sit with him. It was a two-way street, a conversation, and it had, it had nothing to do with what you need. It had everything to do with just being in his presence. He is in your presence, you are in his presence, having this heart-to-heart -heart connection because he longed to be reunited, to be connected to his people. He longed to sit with them. He longed for you and him to have that synergy, that oneness between each other. And then from that space of being, then we can move and breathe into the things that, that we want to do in that day, that moment, that year, that time frame, whatever it is that you're doing. But prayer was always this connection. And so God is telling him that, and he's just quoting the scripture. He says, son, he says, do you believe that I know what you have need of? He says, well, um, yeah. And I think in theory, we believe certain things about the word of God. We believe it because we've seen it written in scripture. We've actually probably read it, but we've not put our faith behind it. 
there, there are things in scripture that you have put your faith behind and you can tell. Those are your go-to. You go to those things and you put your faith behind it. But then God brings you over here to a new area where you haven't put your faith behind. And and you think and, and then the Lord presents that to you and you it rattles you because it's it's it, it challenges you because it's causing you to operate more. It's causing your faith to expand. It's causing you to to, to operate in a space that I don't need to see God do something. I just know that when I've said it, he is on the move or I just, I don't need to know. And that's what I call this part of faith. I know, meaning I know whether I see, see them evidence or whether I see anything that lets me know he did, whether I hear him whisper in my ear and say, it's answered. I just know that I'm in the space of God. I know that I'm right in the will of his will and I'm praying this thing and I know that he hears me. And if this is not his will, he is going to reveal to me. He's going to make it known to me because he's a good father. He doesn't want me to miss anything. He wants me to get everything. So again, and in that, and that, and in that I know space, it is I know he hears me because he said he does. I know that he's present with me because he said he, he would. I know that he would go before me because he said he would. I know is this place of knowing God's character, knowing his nature, knowing that what he says is what he does and what he does is what he says. That's that know, that I know part where I don't see any evidence, I don't hear anything, but I know that God hears me and that God is moving because he said he would. And so he's inviting you into that space. And so that man was like, he was, it was, it was a tent. It was, man, it was challenging because for so long, the paradigm in church is always uh, ask and it shall be given. Seeking, you shall find knocking, it shall be open. But if you've asked already, when do you ever get to the part of Thanksgiving? When do you ever believe that God actually heard you? Do you stay knocking at the door like God never hear you because he's got a hearing aid in his ear? He's hard of hearing. He can't hear you or you're not speaking loud enough. So you got to shout to the top of your lungs. Do you know, do you know our God heard your need before it ever even left your heart? That's how sensitive he is to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so there's this, there's this paradigm that's been pushed in church because it's, this is what people, people, us as humans, we need to wrap our head around things. And when faith takes us beyond what I can wrap my head around or even touch with my senses, we are challenged with that. So we tend to reduce faith to the place where I can still sense, smell, touch, feel with my senses. I could still, you know, when faith is meant to move beyond that which I could sense, faith is meant to move beyond that. Faith is meant to move beyond. Faith is meant to stretch beyond because faith isn't something that you created. It's something God is. It's what he created. He is faith. He don't just have faith. He is faith. Everything God that we see about the Lord, he is. That's why the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please or walk with God. You must first believe in who he is. And if you believe that, then he, you'll, you can, then you'll be a rewarder 
then you'll understand you'll be a part of the rewarding part of them that did as you seeking. So you'll understand that my seeking him, my leaning into him, my chasing him, my running after him is not in vain because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him because they first believe that he is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so faith is meant to reach beyond, reach beyond, reach beyond, reach beyond what you can sense and so we as human beings we have a challenge with that and so we like to keep faith where we can put our hands on it when it gets beyond us we get a little shaky or we oh wow well, that must be not be the lord or that must not be for me or i'm just going to settle you'll you'll talk yourself out of trusting god and then the lord will have to come in and say no that is me and you need to step into this because where you are is not where i want to keep you and you're really not operating in faith. Faith is not faith. If I'm believing God for a cup of coffee and I have it right in front of me, that's that's not faith. It's in front of me. But faith is I don't have no coffee in 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 the, in the, in the cover. I have nothing to make it. I don't even have a cup. And I'm believing God for a cup of coffee. And somebody knocks at my door and says, "Hey, I was thinking about you, and God told me bring that person a cup of coffee." Now that's God. Now that's the Lord, because I'm believing for something that isn't presently in my grass. It is not my grass. It, it ain't even five feet away from me. It, it, it's nowhere in my grass. Now, here's a flip. I can flip this and say, okay, say for instance, you are impaired in some way where you can't get up to make you a cup of coffee. And coffee's in the cover. And all you got to do is get up. But you are impaired in a way where it's hard for you to get up by yourself. And no one's at home. You're like, Lord, I just need the strength to get up and get me a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden you get up. God gives you the strength where you didn't have the strength. He gives you the strength to get up and do something you could not do in your own strength. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what faith is. To believe that something can be done when it is beyond human possibility, when it is beyond human reach. Your faith is meant to take you beyond. Amen. Are we are we are we getting this? And so he just he took the journey. He said, I'm a, all right. So he got up and just sat there and it was a, it was a hard tension to be in just to engage God. But what God was showing was that, son, because you have filled our time, our sacred time with just your list, you don't even know how to engage with me. You don't know how to interact with me because the basis of our relationship has been give me, give me, give me. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And so when I ask you to sit with me, you don't know how to sit with me. Hence, when we come to a place in worship and, and you feel the worship and you feel the holy ah, the holy quiet of the Lord settling everything around us. And normally that happens either for two reasons. Either there's getting ready to be a word of the Lord that's going to come forth so everything get quiet or stuff just gets quiet because God is saying, I want you to say la on this moment. And people that don't know how to sit with God and say la, they don't do that well. It'll get quiet for about five minutes and you can feel the tension in the room because somebody wants to say something. Somebody feels like you got to do something because people have lost how to just fellowship and be with the Lord. They understand. They understand the story of Mary and Martha. 
and they and they they jump on Martha like Martha's a bad person. Jesus never rebuked Martha for being busy. He rebuked. He he told Martha, "I don't like the way what you're doing has a hold on your heart, and it has a hold on your heart in such a way that I can't get in, or you can't recognize who's sitting in front of you because you're busy. You have learned to come into church and feel like that." serving me or better yet pleasing me is to serve me when mary sees me sitting there and the bible says mary got everything of the lord she got everything she sat right there and she was hearing everything because mary her heart was filled and consumed with the lord and savior she understood that and so what it really is it's really to go be with jesus like mary and then go do from that place of being like martha so that my heart is not compassed about what, what didn't get done or what's not being done or who ain't helping me, all that stuff. I've been with Jesus and from that place of being with Jesus, I can go do these things. Some of you have come into church and the first thing you learn, you didn't get discipleship where you can learn how to walk with Jesus, learn this new life. You met, you were met with serving. Some of you were placed in the serving. Let's be an usher. Let's be this. Let's be able to let's help with the children. Let's help this. And so all this time you have thought serving God is this way of pleasing the Lord when the Lord wanted you to just sit and learn of me. And so that's why there are a lot of the challenges that you have is because your faith there was no foundation laid. There was nothing fortified in you. You got stuff here and there inconsistently. When you're in, when you're, somebody's mentoring you, there is a consistency that is happening in your life that's causing you to stand so that you, when you get to this place and now you can serve, you got some stuff. You got some solid things in your foundation. Most of us didn't meet Jesus like that. Most of us met, came in and start serving. And then you had to get it on the go. And that's why today, sometimes we struggle with sitting with the Lord in quiet. When the Lord says, turn everything off, don't, don't turn nothing on, just sit down, sit down in quiet. We can't even do that for like 30 seconds before it, it, it's just like it's an itch you need to scratch. But here's the interesting thing about that gentleman. That gentleman, uh, uh, interesting about that gentleman was that he said, as he took the journey of the Lord and he started to just sit with the Lord and then he he learned to engage God and just learn to just be with the Lord. He said, this is Africa. So they had no support from nowhere. It was just him and his family on a mission called by the Lord. Well, where I'm a firm believer <laughs> that if it's his will, it's his bill. Then God's got to make a way for that because you have no way to make that make that happen. He had no support. He said, all of a sudden, knocks at the door would come every day. And every day, wood would come. Uh, everything he needed to build, to finish the house, to finish the school and, and the orphanage he was building, everything he needed just came at the knock of the door. And so his prayer began to be redeemed and it, be, and it began to be about him and God just fellowshipping and even discussing the things that to do. Jesus said this in John. He said this. He said, I do and I, and I do and say what my father's doing and saying. And everything that I do and say is what's been done before me. 
Where did Jesus get that? Where did Jesus do that? He, it was his time of prayer. When he would sit with the Father and engage in prayer, the Father would show him, this is what I want you to do today. This is what I want you to speak on today. He would do it in that way. So Jesus I said, I only move and breathe in that capacity. I only do these things here. And and, and we find that when you stay in that space and you do those things, you're going to be successful. You're going to have impact. People's lives are going to be touched by the Lord because God knows <clears throat> what people have need of. He knows what you have need of. He knows what people need to hear. He knows what, what, what will impact their hearts, what will stir them. And that man watched his life change. His whole prayer life changed. He never went back to that paradigm. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong with asking. I believe there are times when the Lord will say, hey, I want you to tell me what you want to see in this or I want and or there's a moment where you might put that before him but when but ordinarily the con, the consistency of your prayer should be you go be with him and it should be from that place that I know that my father knows whether the light bill is due the car payment is due he knows the rent is due <laughs> he knows the person on your job is giving you a hard time he knows all those things and the question is is those things bigger than your God? Are they bigger than your God? Are they bigger than him? Are they too pressing and too big that I just got to tell God about that? Do you forget he is one with you and he does life with you? So when that boss, when your boss cussed you out and didn't treat you like you were valuable, do you know the Lord was standing there with you when that was going on? Are you hear what I'm saying? He was present in that moment. And we forget that because we think it's just us uh, dealing with this situation or going through this all by ourselves. And God is distant away, sitting on his throne, not mindful of this. And this is why we got to go tell him that's religious mindset. That is religious paradigm that says God is far away. And we always got to inform him, even though religion will tell you, yeah, he's all knowing. He's all knowing. Yes, he's all-knowing, but then they'll treat him like he's not all-knowing, and they'll have to inform him. How do you inform somebody who already knows? No, when you're in a relationship, because he knows, and because he's there, he's the reason that you didn't jump on your boss and beat your boss down. He's the reason you didn't jump out your car and snatch that person out the car. He's the reason you didn't react. He was the thing that held you because he was present. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you do, because I know some of y'all got rope. Some of y'all got road rage, uh, especially the Latinas. Mm -hmm. Say something to you, you all spicy and you be ready to let loose. And the Lord be like, hold on, don't say it. And he'd be like, do you know what, girl? I wanted to tell so-and-so how I felt. And for some strange reason, I could not get it out. It was the Holy Spirit. The one who you forget is always present, putting his hand over your mouth saying, be quiet, be quiet. You are not going to say that because why? what you could say, what you would do would hinder, would destroy the place that God have you. Some of us wouldn't be in places, wouldn't be in the places uh, that God has put us in because we would allow our mouths to curse the very thing that God has blessed you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm saying this for a reason because there are places that you're going to go in this new season and you're, you need to have your mouth in check. You need to have your relationship tight. 
You need to be know that God, if I don't have me, I know you got me and I know you are present with me. I know that you are with me because if I get something or, I, or experience something that is beyond my human capacity to deal with, I know that my God says, I, I will grab you in that moment. He's, the Bible says that I can cast my cares upon the Lord and he cares or give cast your burdens before the Lord and the righteous shall not be moved. I know that God has this ability to keep me stabilized and not allow me to react and allow things to escalate bigger than what they were because the enemy and our, and our and the enemy would love for things to escalate where it would escalate to where you would what? Prematurely be out of a situation, prematurely abruptly mess something up when you were meant to just be in that space just a little while longer and then God was going to bring relief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful of that, that God knows. And I know this is, this is maybe preaching to the choir, but some of you in the face of situations don't remember that. Don't remember that at all. You feel like it's, it's you feel like you too, Pop. All eyes on me. It's all about me. No, 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 no. Sorry. It really isn't. Do you know what you're going through is actually bigger than you in that moment? And even if they are staring at you, and even if their focus is you because you're the only saved one in the building, know that you isn't you you ain't by yourself. I told uh, there's a picture, um, there's an old there's an old saying, um, there's an old saying they said about uh, I think one of the presidents that said he spoke softly but he carried a big stick. Um, and that big stick was his authority. He maybe was soft-spoken, but he carried a big stick of authority. You may be soft-spoken and may not be able, have the capacity to, to do things, but understand the big stick that you carry is the Most High God. And that stick represents the authority he has. That's why it's his grace that we move in and not ours, because his grace has no limits. Nothing can withstand against his grace. His grace empowers us, gives us the ability to do what we could not do in our own strength through faith. All comes back to faith. All comes back to what you believe. And every man has been given a measure of faith to move to move and breathe in. You've been given something to, to move and breathe in, to, to utilize and to do. And so when people say, I don't have faith, I need more faith. No, 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 you just need to stop putting your faith in the wrong things is what you need to start doing. You need to take an inventory and look at where you've been putting your faith. If you believe more against what God is saying, because some of us are in, in that space, you believe more against what you believe the situation you're in is greater than the God you serve. So your faith is, your faith is mis, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it needs to be realigned and aligned with the Lord it's supposed to with your situation. Are <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? And so it leads us to that scripture in Psalms 34, where it says this in Psalms 34, it says, um, in this in Psalms 34, it says, I will bless the Lord. This is David's Psalm that he written unto the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continue to be in my mouth. David said, I will bless the Lord. I will learn to bless the Lord, whether I'm living in a cave. Whether I'm living in a tent, I'm going to learn to bless the Lord. Whether I'm whether I'm in a, a, a job that, that is, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to learn to bless the Lord. I'm going to learn to bless the Lord. I'm going to learn to bless the Lord. Some of you, that scripture would read, I have always cursed the Lord. 
I have always cursed the situation. I have always cursed this because of what you what you allow the circumstances to push you through. The places where you go and you start speaking poison against the very thing that God placed you in. You got to stop. You cannot speak faith in one mouth and then speak curse. Curse the thing that you are having faith for. I'll tell you, that'll never be realized because you are count, you're countering you're countering the thing that you're hoping for. So you, you'll always be in hope and you'll never see it because you are speaking the poison. You're speaking the stuff that's stopping it. And you think, well, it's the devil fighting me. No, a lot of times it ain't the devil fighting you. It's the bad stuff that you're thinking in your heart. It's this faith that you have, you have more belief that, oh, see, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough for this. I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to fail. I'm so dumb and so on and so forth and so forth. You actually believe that and your faith is aligned with these lies that are contrary to the things of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I don't, and I, I tell you, it don't matter how long you've been walking with God. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. You can be walking with God. You could have just got saved or you could be doing this for 50 years. It does not matter. Every human deals with this. It is a constant battle to believe and know that God is with us. The beautiful thing is, I will tell you, the more time you have with the Lord, it should translate into, it should translating that I'm able to believe God a whole lot better than I was years ago because I've watched him do things. I've watched him. God will go out his way to prove you, to show you who he is. But after he's done that, that's got to count for something. That can't be just things that God has done. Well, God has done that, but I still don't have any faith. Why don't you have any faith if he's done those things? What's wrong with you? It takes no, it takes nothing. It takes no effort from you to what? To not believe in God. It takes, it, it takes no effort to believe in the, what you see. It doesn't. But it takes just a little bit to say, you know what? I'm going to take a chance and, and, and believe that God can, even though I am scared, I'm going to believe that God can. Do you know your confession of faith is important? And when you say that I'm going to take a chance and believe God, and even though you're scared, God will still answer that prayer because you are willing to partner just with a little bit. God said, if you give me a little bit of mustard seed size, I'll do something with that. You'll see me work. It's those that say, well, I can't do anything. This is, I'm just dumb. You have given God nothing to work with and then you expect God to do it. He's not a genie. Your faith, that's where you partner. This is a partnership that you walk in with the Lord in and your faith, whether it is small as a mustard seed, counts for something. That's why he told the woman who had been through all the stuff and finally gets healed from bleeding. He tells her, don't be afraid, daughter. I'm not here to rebuke you for touching me because because you're 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 broken the rabbinical laws uh, of being uh, being unclean and being out here in public. I'm here to tell you something a little bit more important than that. A whole lot more important. I'm here to tell you your faith made you whole because you dared to believe in spite of what could have happened. They could have stoned her for coming out. They could have beat her down. They were serious back in those days with the law. But she said, 
If I can just touch his hem, he ain't got to breathe on me. I just touch his hem and the grace on him will do it because that's all she had. She tried everything else. Her little bit of faith did something that Jesus turned around to let her know. Why? So that she continued to faith in God for the just shall live by faith for we walk by faith and not by sight. Your little bit of faith can move something, can do things. The Bible says it can move mountains. It can move things. Amen. And so here he says, he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. It says here, God says, I will bless the Lord all, all times and I'll continue my praise. His praises continue to be in my mouth. So I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord. It's my soul makes her boast. His soul, his soul makes her boast. What's in your soul? Do you truly believe from your soul? Have you welcomed God's ability? Have you welcomed those things that God has done in your soul? It's important. Why? Because we welcome a lot of things into our soul. And then we got to fight like heck to get rid of these things. Or we don't understand why this stuff is troubling us because we've welcomed the wrong things. Like we welcome people in our soul in bad relationships. We welcome these words that people said, the words that people have said to you, those word curses you've welcomed in your soul. That's why you believe that those word curses are true. And you need to evict these things out. David said, I, I will, I'm, if I'm going to praise you, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to let my soul boast about who God is. Because why? We are called to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And heart, mind, and soul, all of those are together. We are to love God with everything that we are. And so David says, I'm, I'm, my soul is going to boast about who God is because what God has done for me in the past, I have welcomed him. He was with me with the bear. He was with me with the lion. He was with me when I fought Goliath. He was with me when, when I went out to fight the battles for Israel. He was with me when King Saul was trying to kill me. He was with me. He preserved me. When we were hungry, I ate the, I ate the priest's showbread and we were able to sustain. I, I watched uh, us lose stuff and, and, and I watched us gain stuff back by the power of God's word. I welcome those things in my soul. He has been my Lord. He has been my shepherd and I shall not want. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've yet to see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is his confession of his faith. These are things that are in his soul. What's in your soul? Capital One says, what's in your wallet? And without, they're saying basically without Capital One, you can't move or breathe. Can I tell you, my friends, without any record of what God has done, if the testimonies of what God has done doesn't hit your soul and, and translate into faith, you have nothing. Then all you have, then you have nothing. You have nothing. What's in your soul? Do you truly believe from the core of who you are that God is good? Do you believe that? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe you deserve good? Do you believe he's going to bring you into good? Because if you don't, then you're going to struggle with trusting him. Because to know that God will do something is to know his nature, to know his character, to know who he is. And I think a lot of you in here have read enough word to see and display who God is and what he does. Now, what you've read and what you believe is two different things. 
And God is inviting you in this moment to not just be a reader, not just be one who has read, but to be one who puts his faith behind what he has read. Because we know that this is not up for up for whether this is true or not. The word of God is true through and through, whether you believe it or not. The word of God is true. Whether you believe it or not, it's self-affirming. But it's high time that you put your faith behind what you are reading. Or stop reading it. I'm like, I'm like, I love, I love the story. I like this one of the stories of Elijah, where Elijah, where Elijah says, look, let me put it straight to you, black and white. If God is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then go follow him. Stop being in between. Stop being indecisive about whether, oh, I don't know whether God is true in this. I don't know. Stop all that. Let's be, let's be, let's be, let's be big people. Pull up your big people pants and make a decision because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we're talking about anything other than God or better yet, sports teams, every time our sports team play, we believe they can win. Even if, even if our team is horrible and they, and they may lose, we still believe they're going to win, right? We get up there and put on our clothes and put on all the stuff and, and chant them on and do all that stuff and go, go, you're going to win. Why can't we do that for the Lord? Why can't our soul be in a space where we say, God, I know, even though this looks ugly, I know you will. I know you will. I, it's easy to shout that God will when he's done it. Won't he do it? Yes. Won't he do it? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, that requires nothing. It's when you haven't seen it and you're faced with, I know that he can and he will. All God is saying, just put your faith behind me and I'll, and I'll do what you know that I can do. And then some of you need to experience because I think some of you have read about what God can do or maybe heard about it, but have not experienced it. And so it is a stretch for you to believe that God really does it, even though your best friend just told you it happened to them. There's an old movie that says you, it can happen to you. And basically the gist of that movie is that it could happen to anybody. If it happened to your friend, your kinfolk, it can happen to you. And I think that's where we people struggle with sometimes. I, I don't know if it can happen to me. I don't know if, you know, you, I mean, but you're a good person. You're really a good person. Now, I've seen some stuff happen to people that are questionable. That's just the goodness of God. That's just the goodness of God because God has, God knows how to reach each and every one of us. To us, you would say, man, God, I wouldn't do that for them. They so bad. But God says, I'm trying to reach them through love. You don't understand them. I'm reaching them through love. I'm trying to reach them through love. Are you hear what I'm saying? You guys with me? You guys tracking with me? I need you to get this. I need you to get this. And he says here, he says, and the humble shall hear thereof. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. This is where this, this particular passage here. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord. He says, after I had praised him from my soul, I'm magnifying the Lord. Well, here's the thing. God is already big. He is the God of the universe. He is the God of all creation. He's already big. 
The problem is he's not big in your life is the problem. And David says, oh, magnify. I want to magnify. I want the same big God that is the creator and, and the God of the universe to be the God in my world, in my day to day, in my circumstances. I want to magnify him. There is something about your praise. It is something about your decoration, about who God is that is going to be very important in this season as we walk this this. God is greater. God is greater. The Psalms 24 says this, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. The earth is Yahweh's and everybody that's the, that's been created. That's going to be pertinent. Why? Because they're, they're that the enemy will, is, has been masking, has been, has been pushing his agenda and he's trying to get you to believe what? That he's greater, that the earth is his, that the earth belongs to him and that you guys are fighting against a person that's so much bigger. Do you understand Jesus defeated him? He's a defeated foe. He is not the opposition. He is not there. There is no opposition. Because if that's the case, then the cross meant nothing then. He defeated him. He's he has a time to be here, but he is not the he is not the situation. Now God can go after you and save you. When he saved you, he wasn't just saving you from the enemy. The enemy was defeated. He defeated them because the enemy had control over mankind because of what Adam did. That's why it was appointed to man to die. And then what they had to they the, the, the enemy would come and get him. Do you know that? Do you know when the Bible says this? That when Moses died do you know the devil came for his body because he had legal right over the earth because of the forfeit of adam and the and the angel rebuked him and said nope can't have this one and and moses was buried privately but he had right when jesus went down to take the authority away from him he no longer has right over mankind jesus defeated that now God, now salvation is now saving you from you because why? Outside of the devil, when man partook of the fruit, you became knowledgeable of good and evil. The Bible says the man's heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you, you, you don't need the devil's help to think evil thoughts. You got that all covered by yourself. The devil just comes in and says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He comes in and puts his two cents in, but you thought about it first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So salvation is God now saving mankind and redeeming him back to what? His original intent. His original intent was to be a part of the God family, to be one with God again, to be one within himself again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And some of you guys think this is a war on the enemy. Trust me, it is not the war on the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe you fighting him. Because then if you're fighting him, then the cross of Christ Jesus has no effect. And that's not true at all. Now you hear what I'm saying. His biggest game has always been and always will be. deception lies he's the father of them and if he can get you to believe against what god has said he's got a foot in your life some of you need to get 
some of these things that you have believed to be true. And the enemy didn't come at you in terms of he came at you imano imano. He used people to do this. He used people to say things. He used people to put those things out there. He used people to do those things because why? Because if I can get you staring at a human being, you never see the one who's puppet mastering behind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to really take a look at the person that's saying what they're saying. He'd love for you to look at them because then when the problem never get resolved, that's why the racism problem is not dealt with. Some of you guys say, well, what do you mean by that? Because black and white, Hispanic, who all who are against each other, who they push to be against each other, we all think, for black people I speak, we all think, oh, it's the white man, it's the white man, it's the white man, it's the white man. So all white people evil? Even, even my Hispanic family that I love, when I met them, they had bad dealings with black people. And so they were, they were kind of worried about me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, why? Because they're stereotypes. What do you think they're pushing on TV? The propaganda that is on TV that they're pushing in there, they're programming you to believe that your brother, who is of another mother, of a different color, is your enemy. And that is the, that is the biggest lie from hell. Because if I can get you to stare at your brother, then you two can't gather together and pray. Do you understand what happened in churches uh, when it came to all the, all the stuff that started coming up? Even with the election, all that stuff started coming up. People in churches were fighting against each other. They go to church together. The, the, the racism came out. All this nonsense came out. It's like, wait a minute, I've been going to church with you. What's going on? What's happening here? It wasn't a person, it was a spirit. You might say, well, that person, yeah, they partner, but it, it is a spirit. It's a sin issue. It's the problem. Jesus would come in and say, huh, you believe that you're better because you, uh, you believe that color is inferior to you because you've been programmed that. No one was born that way. You had to be taught that. Have you ever seen kids of color who are three, four years old and they're playing together, having a great time? No one is treating each other bad. It is not until their parents starts programming you, little Johnny, that, hey, that, hey, uh, Tyrone over there, he ain't no good. You shouldn't play with him. He's a, his family is bad and he's bad. Then something shifts. The innocence is taken away. And now, now, now little Timmy don't play with Tyrone no more. And when they get mad at one another, Timmy will want to call Tyrone the N-word. Yeah. Where do you think he learned that? He wasn't born that way. He learned that from his, his generation. Why do you think Satan has to go after the next generation? The Bible says curses and, and is, is only, only to the third and fourth generation, meaning it's limited in its reach. It has to reestablish itself from, from generation to generation. God, so the blessing of God extends a thousand years. God doesn't reestablish himself. He, he just is. It's you partnering with him. For example, the blessing of Abraham, he received that. That blessing was already on Isaac. 
It was already on Isaac. Isaac is enjoying the fruits of what his daddy Wade uh, suffered through. The Bible says you will reap in areas where you haven't sown. You hear what I'm saying? And so you're reaping areas where you haven't sown because you got somebody who is, you're up under their umbrella. Now, for this to really take shape and form in, in, Isaac, in Isaac's life, Isaac's going to establish a covenant with the Lord. And if he does that, then that umbrella extends. Now, his kids will be up under the same umbrella, umbrella he was up under. Now, they're up under it. And now they're up on it. And the more it's reestablished, the more these people see the blessing of Abraham will extend for a thousand years because it's the blessing of God. But how it becomes even more personal and more established is when each generation says, man, God, I want to know you like Abraham did. I want to know you like my father did. I want to know you like big mama did when she prayed. I know that you, I experienced the goodness. I'm experiencing the protection. Some of you were being protected by the prayers of others long before you came to Jesus. And so there's that umbrella. But when you make God your personal savior and said, God, then now what they pray is now being established more, more profound in your life. And now it will definitely rest on your kids. It has an opportunity to rest on your kid. It, it continues to extend if that makes sense. And so, the the enemy's the enemy's curses are having to be reestablished. It's very limited. It has to be reestablished over and over and over. That's why he goes after. That's why he goes after the next generation. That's why he goes after. He, if he can get you, then he'll try to go get your kids, and then he'll try to get your kids' kids. He's he's having to do this over and over. It's not God. I hope that makes sense. Hope you guys are there, and I'm just saying all this here. Magnify the Lord. Can we magnify God? Is God big in your life? Is he big? Where are we going with all this? You're saying, Pastor Marvin, you've been saying a lot, and I'm wondering where you're going with this. Well, I'm going, I was praying because I'm praying because I, I want to give you something that I believe God wants to say to you. I want to give you something because I believe your praise, I believe what you believe about God is true, is, 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 is important. Why is it important? And why you need to put your faith behind the things that God is inviting you in in this season? Because it is your faith that's going to cause those things to be activated. It's going to cause you to be successful. And that we are in a new season and we need to walk even better. We need to walk even, even wiser, more wiser than we've walked before. The story of this person here, there's a story in the Bible that talks about um, Jehoshaphat. He was a man who was a, who, who, who was surrounded by the enemy. The enemy was coming to threaten him, coming to tear things up. And he was afraid. And the Bible says in the long run, this is a second Chronicles 20. And he was faced with Ammon and Moab and Moab and Ammon was out. They outnumbered them. And he began to be afraid because somebody came in and gave a report. Hey man, uh, Ammon and, uh, here in verse 20, second Chronicles says this, and it came to pass after all this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon were on every side. They came against Jehoshaphat and there came some who told some who told Jehoshaphat saying, there comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of Syria. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. The Bible says Jehoshaphat feared 
and set himself to seek the Lord. He was afraid, but he was afraid first. Why? Because this person had given this bad report and said there was this, there was people coming in. Sometimes some of you are going to get reports of what's going on. Do you understand? Even the news is prophesying the bad stuff. They're not just giving reports. They're prophesying uh, a, a suggested a suggested future for you to partner with. And the moment that you partner with the suggested, don't you understand that when you look at the news, I want you to pay, I want you to hear me on this. They're speaking from different, they're biased in what they're speaking. They're speaking from the, the Republican, they're speaking from the, the, the Democratic, they're speaking from the Independent, they're speaking moderately. They're speaking from different things. And the point is, is if I can get people, if I can get the people of the United States to believe this, that, and the third, then nobody's on the same page with each other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody's at odds because they believe different aspects or the things are being said to appeal to a people to make you feel like you got a seat at the table. You really ain't got a seat at the table. They want to appeal to you because they want to use you to be the means to the end. What is the end? The end is what they want. The end goal is what they're after. They're not after. You're just a part of what they want to do. I hate to say it that way. That's what they've been doing for years. That's what they've been doing for years. That's what they've been doing for years. That's why the people, the nationalities, ethnicities are not together. They don't know how to stand together. They got rid of that because they saw the power of that in the 60s. When blacks got together, they got, mm -mm, we can't have that again. We can't have you marching. We can't have you doing that again. We got to just the people. But at the same token, 2020, we start to see people band together. But I think people banding together, they wasn't quite informed about what they were banning for. And we need to be more informed about what we're banning for. We need to be really, not that woke stuff. Woke stuff that you still sleep. I'm talking about really know what you need to know and understand what you're dealing with because you understand what you're dealing with is not your fellow man. You're dealing with people that are being used by something else greater than them to manipulate because they want to turn this world upside down. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And so the report comes back from this man that Ammon, that there's an army coming and they, they're big, they're like the sea. They from everywhere. They come in, they coming against little Israel. That's how it is when we receive bad news. This is coming. That's coming. This is coming. And it always comes through a person. It is always spoken through a person. And in that space, fear comes. You're like, oh man, Lord, how are we going to get through this? Do you know your God can't in that moment? Fear confronts the faith in you. And it comes to see, do you have any faith? Because if you don't, fear will grip your heart and you will succumb to what they're saying. Because I guarantee you, who those that are carrying fear truly believe in what they're carrying. The question is, do you believe in what God is giving you? Do you believe in what God is saying to you? Do you know that he knows what you have need of? He knows where he wants to take you. He's the one to give you the prophetic, prophetic words about your destiny or what he's actually called you for. Or is it just God just is there to inform you about things, but then he leaves you by yourself? No. The one who is speaking is the one who is the author and finisher of your faith and everything in between. The question is, what do you believe to be true? In the world, we faith in finances, but in the things of God, we faith in God. 
Do you believe God to be the one that holds all things in his hands for you? Do you believe he goes before you to prepare the way? Do you believe he hears you? Do you believe that you can appeal to him? That's what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat was in fear because he heard the bad report. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah, who God says, who will believe the report of God? Because there's only two reports. It's a bad report and the report of God. And I guarantee you, God's report does not say what the bad report is saying. The bad report says something very negative, very bad to get you to partner with it. And God is saying, even though that is here, this is what's going to take place. Like I said, it takes a little bit more from us to actually stand and stand with God. Because it's so easy to succumb to what we see. Well, they, well, they, what the newscasters are true. They're saying what, no, 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 they are prophesying. They have a script. They're reading to you what they want you to, they, they're suggesting to you what they want you to believe. That's what definition is. Definition cannot prophesy the future, but it can what? Suggest. Because it understands your faith has the ability to give it life in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we don't want to give anything life that is not of God. We truly want to major on the things of God. We want to make the Lord big. We want to love God from every part of us. We want to welcome everything that God has done in our soul. And we want to say from our soul, God, you are great. You are my defender. You are my, that song defender is not a song. That song was written from somebody who truly experienced God being their defender. And they have a revelation of him being a defender. And, and that song has blessed everybody who has needed a defender to show up or be reminded that God does defend his people. But once you are in the know about that, why do we give that up? Why do we forget that? Because we don't keep the word ever before us. Joshua, Joshua said this. This is what the Lord told Joshua. He tells him this. Why? Because Joshua had a mentor. His mentor was Moses. Moses. It was easy to follow Moses because Moses was the one that held it all down. He was, he was God's man. He was moving like a God on the earth. So it was easy just to be under his, under his umbrella and feel safe. And I don't have to figure this out. But now Moses is dead. And that's why he tells him in the beginning. In, in verse 1 of chapter 1 of, 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 of Joshua, he says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord comes, comes to pass and, and the Lord speaks to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, why, is the, why does God have to tell Joshua, that my servant is dead. Don't you seem that don't that doesn't that seem redundant? He already knows he's dead. That was his friend. That was his mentor. That was his dad in the faith. He knows. But what is God saying in telling him my servant Moses is dead? Like Joshua don't know. Joshua does know because it happened right in front of him. Why does he need to know? He needs to know all that what Moses done is gone now. You can't live on that. You can't, you can't, uh, that's, there's not, that's not there. The same way Moses trusted me is now your turn to trust me. And you have been sitting in this space watching what it looks like to trust God 
Are you hear what I'm saying? You've watched that. You've watched it for a good 40 years while you wandered in the wilderness. You've had that much training to see what it is to trust God. Now you are the one that's in this space to lead God's people now. You are the space to lead God's people. You are the one that's got to lead God's people now. And he says, my servant Moses is dead. Then he goes on and lets him know. He says, just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Because why? I'm no respecter of person. I chose Moses and I'm choosing you. He's gone now. It's you now. But why sometimes we forget that God is with us? Or the word or the scriptures when Jesus spoke to the devil he gave him the word and sometimes we don't remember the Lord tells Joshua this if you want to be successful in all that you're doing I'm saying to you if you want to be successful in this year and beyond we ain't talking about just to get through 24 we're, we're talking about this is something for life you want to be successful. You want to be prosperous in this year. He said this, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, should not leave you, should be ever before you, should be coming out of your mouth. If it doesn't depart out of your mouth, it means it's planted in your heart. Because Jesus says in the New Testament, it's not what goes in the man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him that defiles him. And if he does not have enough word in here, if he does not believe in the word he's reading, it's not going to come out of his mouth. It's just head knowledge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it's what he believes to be true. It's what's coming from here that he spits out. And thou shalt meditate thereon day and night. Because that which is in your heart is what you meditate, is what you think on. You keep it ever before you. Thou observe to do according to what is written. So it's not just being a hearer or a reader of the word, but it's actually doing, acting out, following, living in the word. It's, it's like Jesus said, if you love if you love me, you will obey my commandments and you choose to abide in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and choose to abide in his love. That's the fear of God. He says, then your ways will be prosperous and you shall have good success. It is, it is, is important for you to fellowship with the Lord daily. It is good for you to pray. It's good for you to read the words. It's good to fast as God leads you to fast. Not you calling to fast, but God leading you to fast. But reading the word and, and not just reading, not being a reader or a hearer. Because some of you sit and listen to sermons. And some of you need to be selective about sermons because I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm grateful that the word of God is being preached. I'm grateful that the greater God be a truth, but sometimes some of the people who are who are preaching the word don't fully believe in what they're preaching. And there's a danger that their non-belief in what they're preaching, because they're charismatically have a gift to communicate with people and it sounds good, but they don't really believe because the gospel has become a livelihood and not a way of life. That you don't get some of those things that are attached to what you're hearing. Be selective. 
be selective. That's a good scripture, Karen. I'm going. I'm going. You, you, you. What you in my notes? You need to hold on, girl. <laughs> you, you moving ahead. But if you want to be successful, Joshua one nine, or Joshua one eight. Listen, I'm gonna land this here. I'm gonna take you here. I'm gonna take you here like Mavis. I'm gonna take you there. Proverbs three. This morning, I tell you, it's good to have save amazing friends it's good to have I, I think the other key to your success this year is uh not just what all that has been said at this point but i believe the other part the other piece to this is community who are you surrounded by who are you surrounded by community is important who are you surrounded by because i'm going to tell you um there should be an abraham there should be a Jake, uh, there should be a Isaac and it should be, um, a Jacob. What do I mean by that? Abraham is the spiritual, your spiritual, you know, mentors, pastors, mentors that people, people you're being discipled by and they, and not, people that you're being discipled by don't have to be pastors. I want you to be clear on that. There's just seasoned people. Now, some of the times there are pastors, sometimes they're not pastors in forms of title, but God has called them. And they are seasoned. Those are your Abrahams. They're there to pour into what? The Isaacs. Now the Isaacs are 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 need to be poured into by the Abraham. And so Isaacs are good to have. You you when you have an Isaac in your life, you have an Isaac in your life, it's iron sharpening iron. Because you're able to encourage one another. Abraham will always be able to speak into because it's the Bible, it's the scripture being fulfilled. The older men teach the younger men. The older women teach what? The younger women. And that doesn't mean chronologically sometimes. What that says is the person who is seasoned. We like to read that and we limit God's word and we say, well, that person isn't older than me, but that person's got more years in the gospel than you. And not just years in terms of, I've just been saved, but they've been busy learning from God over the years. And so they are seasoned and God has sent them into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So they have something to offer to you. And the question is, are you humble enough to receive? Because sometimes people are not. Sometimes people are not humble enough to receive from the, from the ones God placed. Or they place their value on somebody who has a title. I just told you a few minutes ago that doesn't matter what ceremony you're listening to because some of these pastors don't believe in what they're actually communicating. There's a good portion of them doesn't. This is a livelihood for them. And you need to be careful because you don't want their non-belief and what they're communicating to be, to be to planted into you. That's why there is a purity that God is calling people. When you want a minister of the gospel, minister in psalm, whether you're a worship leader, do you understand what you engage in, what you believe in, is what is communicated along with what, you, what you're speaking? You can tell people that are walking in purity. And so we don't want to put credence on this, but Abraham pours into Isaac. Isaacs, it's good to have other Isaacs around you because iron sharpens iron. And you get sharpened by, by, uh, by Abraham too. But then there's Jacob below Isaac. That's the one Isaac is pouring into. 
and you're pouring into somebody at the appropriate time. If God is not giving you somebody to pour into, don't pour into people. Make sure you are ready to do that. Don't let, sometimes we take things under ourselves. No man can give, no man can take this under himself except God give it to him. So if God is giving you people to pour into, then he trusts you that you are ready to pour into people. We can find people to, to grab and, and, and try to mentor, but you don't ever want to mentor anybody in your own strength. You want to mentor the people as God sent them because there's something that God has for them in you to be able to pour into them. Are you hear what I'm saying? But your community is important. For example, the man who, who was a paraplegic who could not come to the Jesus meeting to get healed, he had four friends who were faithful, who were full of faith. They grabbed him, took him to the Jesus meeting. They was willing to tear the roof off the mother <laughs> and lower that guy down and he got healed. Do you got four friends that are full of faith that will grab you when you are paraplegic, when you are immobilized by circumstances or situations, when you're all, do you have those four people to come in and do that? Your community is going to be important. Will they be like David? Will they speak the words, encouraging words to you, will they always be that message of hope to you, to believe God's word? And then lastly, David didn't, David was surrounded by men who, who were, who were stricken by the bad things that happened to them. And it was just David. That's where Psalm, that's where Joshua 1, 9, 1, 8 comes in. David kept the word of the Lord before him always. Whether he had friends that were on his, with, on his team or not, he kept it so that when he was in a space and he was down and no one was around him to encourage him, David, the Bible says David in Psalms 30, in Psalm, no, not Psalms, 1 Samuel 30, where David goes to pray after losing everything, he says, God, he begins to remember, the Bible says he, he begins to encourage himself. That's because that word that stayed before him that came out of his mouth constantly was in his soul, was in here. And when he had nobody to speak an encouraging word, all of a sudden the, the Holy Spirit could move on what was in him and bring to remembrance what God had done for him, how God was with him, how God this and this, how God did this, how God did this, how God did this. Have you welcomed what God has done in your soul? Is it welcomed here? Does it rest here? Because the Spirit of God will move on that and highlight those things. That's why you remember. Oh, I remember I was in this situation and God did this. Man, I remember that situation and God did this. Or you go someplace and you remember what happened and how God did this. David was in that space where he had to encourage himself. And the Bible says David encouraged himself to the point where now he was able to engage the Lord from who God is. He didn't engage God from the revelation of his circumstances. He engaged God from the place of who God is. And he said, can I go, can I go after it? And the Lord said, yes, David, you will recover everything. Go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So people around you are very important because you always got those ones that'll come and bring the bad report. You don't need them. <laughs> Trust me. If you down praying and seeking the Lord, God can tell you trouble coming. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is there to lead you and guide you in all truth and show you things to come. He could show you the stuff coming and also show you what he's getting ready to do in junction to the place, the stuff that's coming. But are you, is your communion good with him? Amen.
I'm going to read this here, read this here, because I believe, uh, and the reason why I said all that, because uh, one of my good friends texted me this morning and said, in a dream, God had given her a combination code. And when she saw the combination code, she sent me the scripture where she was reading. And um, yeah, the combination code was uh, three, Proverbs three, six through 16. But I'm going I'm to begin at five. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin at four. And then we're going to land this plane. So shall thou find favor and, and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lead not to thy own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lead not to thy own understanding. But in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will what direct your path. When you acknowledge God, he will highlight the way you should do or what you should say or how you should move and breathe. Be not wise in thy own eyes. It is important for you not to be wise in your own eyes, not to walk in pride. God will resist the proud. He will give grace to the humble. If you want to allow God to lead and guide your path, you must, must be humble. The meek shall inherit the earth. That's what the Bible says. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. There's no, there's no blessing in being prideful. So wherever you're prideful, you need to uh, repent for that and just come out of that. God, I choose not to be prideful because a man that thinks he knows something knows nothing. Let's keep reading. It says here and it says, be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Because the fear of God is coming. Whether whether you believe it or not, fear of God is coming. And so um, anyway, keeps going. It says, and it shall and it shall be health. All those things that I just read from four to seven shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Meaning it will bring health to your physical body. The word of God has this ability. The way, the wisdom and the ways of God has this ability to bring health supernaturally to your physical body. So it doesn't mean you, you eat unhealthily and then you engage in the word. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that you, you should take care of your, your temple. You should take care of it and, and do right by it. But it's saying this is an added bonus that when you fellowship and you operate and walk with the Lord in the way that um, Proverbs here is saying that the added bonus is that it's going to add health. It's going to add health to thy bones. It's going to add health to thy life supernaturally in Jesus name. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits and all thy increase. So we, we at the beginning of the year, we want to honor the Lord with our first fruits and, our, and, and give those first things, first fruits to the Lord, because we're thankful for how God has gotten us through 23. And we are and because God has got us through 23, we are presenting first fruits to say, thank you, Lord. And we know you're going to get us through 24 over and above. In Jesus' name, it says in verse 10, it says, So shall thy barns be full and plenty, and thy press shall burst over with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. I think this part is important, just, just as much as the giving is. But this part is important, too, because I believe sometimes people think that God is so loving that he doesn't correct his children and doesn't chase them. And when you say those things, people have a problem with that. No, no, no. He, my God loves me. This is how he operates with me with love. No, he chastens you. Do you know, friend, if he, the Bible says, if God does not chasten you, he only chastens those that he loves. He chastens those. And if he loves you, you are a son. If he doesn't chasten you, that means you're not a son. That means you are an orphan and you have nobody correcting you 
Orphans don't get corrected because they don't want to be corrected. And, 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 um, and they don't allow that people in that space to correct them. But if you are walking in relationship with the most high, now that's some of you in some of your places, that some of the areas of your life where you haven't, the sonship of God is always advancing daily, continuously till we become fully sons of God. So there are aspects of you that are not under the mighty hand of the Lord that haven't been surrendered, that haven't been given to God. And so those places you are orphans. And so that's why some cases you act like a son or a daughter here, but you act like an orphan over here because you have not brought the full counsel of your heart under the mighty hand of the Lord. God doesn't have all of you. That's why he stands knocking at the door constantly. Go every place he claims, he goes to the next place of your heart to knock because he gave a promise. And that promise is that he would make your heart full of him. He would take your stony heart and turn it into flesh and make it him. And so that's why you can be good over here, but challenged over here because that part has not become, it's still under the territory of orphan. It's still under the territory of you doing your own thing. And God is saying, if you give that to me, I'll, I'll do something with that. I'll change that. So we want to be under sonship. We want to be under him. And any, that's not a person on here. That, that's not a person on here. There's not a person in the kingdom of God that is done. Sanctification will always be and always will be until you stand with Jesus. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be face to face we, and we shall be like him. Well, until that time, you're not like him. You're going through the process of sanctification. Others of us are further down the road in sanctification. But nevertheless, I have not arrived. I'm still chasing the one who has who first touched me. So if you have this mindset that you have arrived and you got it all together, that is religion. And I bind and rebuke that in Jesus name. That religious spirit is a liar and it'll have you believing you have it all together. And that's why some act in That's why some of you perform. Some people move in performance. They move in performance because there's a religious spirit in them because religious tells you, oh, you have it all together. And so they start performing. No, you don't need to perform. Be real. I'm having a hard time. And um, and but here's the thing. If you're having a hard time, the answer to your hard time is love and the word. It isn't, oh, just love me and rub me on the back. No, I'm going to give you some truth. The reason why you're having a hard time is because there's some things, there's some untruths that you believe to be true and they're wrecking your life. And the fact that you don't want to hear truth is because you don't want to let go of what you believe to be true. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm, let me get off my soul box to keep moving. Okay, scripture, the next one here. So it's important. So when, when you get chastised by the Lord, it's okay. He's doing it from a place of love because he does not want his sons and daughters. If you, as a mom or a dad, does not want your kids acting out, acting uh, crazy and doing stuff that you know that can be detrimental, you're going to correct them, right? I hope you will. I hope that you will because that's how God feels about you. Let's keep reading. And it goes on, it says here in verse 12, it says, for whom the Lord loves, whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. If you are a son, you're going to be corrected. And he's going to do it from the place of love. Let's keep going. Happy is a man that ha finds wisdom and a man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. Saying wisdom is better than silver and gold or the gain of gold. Verse 15, it says, and she is more precious than rubies and all the things that, that you can desire. Nothing can be compared to wisdom. 
You should covet and want and desire and long for wisdom to flow in your life in this season. The wisdom has this ability to lengthen the days. She has length of days in her right hand and she has riches and honor in her left hand. So when you walk in wisdom, wisdom has this ability to prolong your life, meaning it'll give you a good life. I believe wisdom will give you ways how to take care of your body, how to take care of you in, in, internally as well as externally. But upon that, wisdom will help you walk into different things, allow you to go into different arenas and live a life that's full of honor and, and, and is rich both spiritually and naturally. Let's keep reading. It goes on. It says his, here. It says in, um, and it says in. It says her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold to her, and happy is every one that retains her. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth, and by understanding has he established it. Hmm. I'm going to read the rest of this. Let me just read the rest of this part here. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the cloud drops down dew. My son, let not them depart from thy eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall thou be life unto thy neck, soul and grace to thy neck. Then shall thy walk in the way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. Read that again. So shall your life Shall shall it be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shall thy walk in the way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. And thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. You being sleepless, if it's not the Lord leading you to pray, you being sleepless is not of the Lord. It's not of the Lord because he lays you down to allow your body to refresh and your sleep will be sweet because why? The one who is in control of all things has your life in his hands. If you have your life in your hands, that's why you're up all night because you are trying to do something that only God can do. Let's keep reading. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of this uh, desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be thy confident and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to read the rest. Of the Lord is saying, read the, withhold not good from them to do to whom it is due when it is in thy power to do it. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in your power of your hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give what thou hast it by, by, to thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwells securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause. If he has done no harm to thee, envy not the oppressor or choose none of his ways. For the forward is an abomination of, uh, to, to the Lord, but his secret is with righteousness the curse of the lord is that the house of wicked is the house of wickedness but he that bless his habitation is just surely he shall scorn the scorneth the scorner but he that giveth grace to the lowly hmm. there's that scripture grace to the lowly grace to the humble 
The wise shall inherit glory, but the shame shall be a promotion of fools. And so, um, Father, we just want to land that right there. We just want to land that plane. We just want to say thank you for all that you've done in this last season. And we thank you for what you have done in this new season. And you said, before it comes, will I not tell you about it? I pray in this moment that you that that you would open the eyes of those that are on and those that are going to listen, that they would begin to see that you were showing them the new thing before it got here. The new thing that you are showing them, Lord, that they would have true visions from heaven, true visions, true revelations from from the from the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And that they would be able to discern between the, uh, the, the throne room and the second heaven. Father, Lord, that they're not confused, but that they receive all their information from the author and finisher of their faith. Father, I pray today that, Lord, that they would humble themselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. That they would allow the Most High to direct their steps. That they would long for wisdom. That they would lay hold to wisdom. They would embrace wisdom. They would run with wisdom. And Father, Lord, that they would acknowledge you in all their ways and that they would understand even in the story of Jehoshaphat as he got the insight of the Lord and the Lord says, I'm with you. Go ahead and go to battle. They put Judah first. They put the worship people before them. That's praise. That's Judah. And praise, the weapon was is a weapon of warfare that deals with the things in the spirit. That's why we read Psalms 34, where it talked about magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. Because when we praise God from a true place in our heart, because we believe this to be true about the Lord, that is what that is warfare. And it goes before you to disarm, to dismantle the plan and the hand of the enemy. And in that story of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20, the worship went before them. And when the worship went before them, and this was not worship, just singing about Jesus, personal experience. This was adoration to the most high God where, where we just sing to him and we magnify how great he has been. That's what worship is. Where the scripture says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And that's just what happened in that story as they sung from a true place. And worshiping the Lord and singing to him, the Lord caused a delusion to happen among the surrounding armies. And they turned on each other and killed each other. God knows how to cause the enemy, the wicked to slay the, the evil, to slay the wicked. He knows how to cause things to be resolved and dissolved. Will you send Judah first? Will you give him perfect praise? From a place that you believe to be true, will you dare to believe that God can do all things? Will you put your faith behind things that may challenge you in Scripture? It's easy to, to put your things about around things that are favorable in Scripture that you feel that you can wrap your head about. What about the things that challenge you to walk higher? For we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. And we're called to walk in high places. We are seated in high crisis in Christ Jesus. And I just speak that we would move and breathe from that place. I plead the blood upon each and every one that is here listening. And I pray that they would get a revelation. I pray that Joshua 9, that they would keep the word of the Lord before 
thy mouth that 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 their heart is full of the word because they meditate on it that they are gatekeepers and that they steward their heart well and they watch what they're digesting through their ears that they're not that they're not a home for gossip but that they're not a home for for trash lord that they they guard their eye gates and they're careful about what they watch because they understand what they're watching and hearing gets planted and it can be the thing that comes out of their mouth instead of the word of the Lord being before them. That purity is, 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 is something that we're called to. Father, I pray today that you would move, that you would move in their heart and as they stand in those spaces that they would experience the belief in scripture, that they would see the word of wisdom, which is the word of God, the law, they would experience it coming to life in their life so that they can more, they can fortify their faith even more. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this time to, to share and to feast on your word. We love you and we adore you and we thank you for this new time and season. And we are totally, totally grateful for who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's... Uh...